Hello. This is going to be about the recent hope not hate infiltration of the alt-right. Or rather, one guy who gained the trust of some people in nationalist communities in Britain and America and then hung around with them for a few months. Looks to be about seven or eight months as far as I can tell. And it was in the... It, I suppose that it was revealed, it was announced a few weeks ago, and it got some airplay. Uh, I think it was it appeared in a few radio programs, and there was a New York Times piece about it. And before I begin, I should say that Hope Not Hate is a sort of, I don't know what you'd call them, Antifa investigative. Uh, I would call them an anti-white racist organisation, uh, but I think that some people might, well, would come up with even stronger terms to describe them. Uh, they are British, English, uh, based in London, and they're now trying to spread into America, to trying to open a, a branch there. So, when this happened a few weeks ago, uh, they, they came out with lots of gloating and triumphalism about that they had managed this infiltration and they, they, they got this the biggest ever report into the alt-right ever, all this kind of stuff. And when it first happened, I uh, was going, I made some notes to do a video about it, because it seems like a normal, predictable thing to do a video about, uh, especially because people were talking about it. But then I thought, actually, perhaps it would be a better idea not to give Hope Not Hate the attention from me that they so enjoy, because I know that they watch my videos, I know that they'll be watching this one, and I know that they like the idea that they have got to me, and to other people as well. And so, and they love the idea that I or other people in the alt-right are talking about them and their machinations and the things they've done to us. And because it gives them a sense of achievement and uh, like they're getting through, they're, they're getting at the enemy. Enemy combatants, as they call us. So I, I thought, well, actually, I won't give them the attention that they want. Fuck them. But... I happened to, so that was it, I wasn't going to do a video, but then a few days ago I happened to mention the whole thing in a, an otherwise unrelated video. And people, a lot of people asked me uh, what I was talking about. I just assumed that everyone already knew about it, so you know, that's why I casually mentioned it. However, clearly they don't know about it. So I thought, okay, I'll make a video about it to enlighten various people about what happened. Um, and also just to, I suppose, indirectly respond to Hope Not Hate, um, for my own purposes, really. Obviously, they will watch this, I know that, but, you know, fuck them. Uh, yeah, okay. So, I'll I dug, I dug, out, dug out the old notes uh, from a few weeks ago and I've expanded them, so here it is. Here is the video about the Hope Not Hate infiltration of the alt-right. So, what happened? It was a young guy uh, called Patrick Hermansson, young Swedish guy, uh, and he used the alias Eric Helberg. And uh, the funny thing about this guy is that he's he's a young guy, but I know about early twenties, mid twenties maybe, and he's a gay rights activist from Sweden, which amuses me because it sounds like the most redundant person in the world. I can't believe that there's a need for any gay rights activism in Sweden, of all countries. Maybe that's why he got bored and came over to Britain. And uh, once in Britain, he I think he was con he made contact with Home Not Hate, and they suggested some kind of 
investigation. I don't know how, how it originated, but either way, he appears to have gone to some sort of demonstration. I think it was a Brexit demonstration where, where the uh, two guys from the London Forum were, were at it. I think it was a Brexit-related demo. And Stead Steadman and Jez Turner from the London Forum were there. And this guy, Patrick Hermanson, or Eric Helberg, we'll call him Patrick since, you know, uh, consistent. Um, he befriended Stead Steadman. And um, thereafter, because he was a friend of Stead Steadman, everyone else just assumed that he was fine. And, you know, this points to a structural weakness in in nationalist circles, in the alt-right, identitarianism, and so on. <clears throat> Ironically, uh, the London Forum decided to implement strict security and vetting procedures shortly after this. Uh, they didn't know that they'd got this infiltrator, but they, uh, a month or so later, they decided to tighten up their security. But, of course, this guy had already got in. And he had he had befriended Stead Steadman, and uh, I don't know the details of that. It seems like because he was Swedish, he helped Stead to learn Swedish. That was something that he wanted to do, and uh, yeah, one way or the other, uh, that worked. And uh, he was equipped with a buttonhole camera. It must have cost a fortune, and he went to meetings and so on, including the conference that I was at in the London Forum conference at the end of May. Um, after that, he went to America. Having befriended or gained the trust of Stead Steadman, he was introduced to Greg Johnson, who came over to London for that same conference. And Greg assumed that the guy must be fine because he's a friend of Stead's. So Greg invited him to speak at the Seattle, the Northwest Forum in Seattle, where I spoke back in November. And uh, the guy... It is an amazing story. The guy actually gave a speech on the dangers of Antifa infiltration of the alt-right. Uh, I mean, it is dramatic. And they must have been pissing themselves laughing, I imagine. However, one thing that is very funny is that the guy, after speaking at the Northwest Forum in Seattle, he then went on to Charlottesville, and he was there for the that day, that rally, and he got maced by Antifa. <laughs> <laughs> one of his own and yet he still believes that we are the dangerous ones we are the the violent ones we are the the nutters we are the hateful ones it, it for fuck's sake well i'll get i'll get onto that later i think there is it is interesting to me that but I'll, yeah i'll talk about that later the fact that he he was maced by a left-wing activist and yet he apparently remains convinced that the right are the the erratic, unpredictable, violent ones. But I will go into why I think he thinks that later. So this whole thing is obviously embarrassing for us in the alt-right. And, you know, I think, apart from anything else, that is why I always wanted to make a video about it, because I thought, this has to be addressed. This has, we have to talk about this. Um, so, the outcome of this investigation, whatever, this infiltration, it seems to have been from January to, or something like January, February to September. And so it's not, they're saying that it was a year long. It was more like eight, maybe, maybe nine months. I'm not sure. That's how long it lasts. And the outcome of it is a report, which is on the Hope Not Hate website, 
14 video, short videos that are on their YouTube channel unlisted for some reason. You can't actually see them from the channel, but there's a playlist. I, I don't know. If, I mean, it's weird. It, it's a strange channel, the Home Not Hate channel. They're, now, again, I'll get onto that later. So I report 14 short unlisted videos, and apparently Home Not Hate are in the process of editing their footage into a documentary, which presumably will be broadcast on TV. That's if anyone wants to, if anyone buys it, if anyone pays them for it, but maybe they will. Um, but I can't imagine it will be very exciting viewing, certainly based on the clips that Home Not Hate have uploaded. And usually the thing is to to lead with your best material. and they would show, So they would show the most incendiary, exciting uh, clips. But based on those clips, it's going to be a very boring documentary, I would say. It seems that they didn't get much, basically. Uh, it's stuff, from what I can see, it's stuff that everyone has said publicly. Uh, they've got extensive footage of Greg Johnson, who, of course, up until then had uh, maintained his anonymity. And, of course, they're triumphalist about that. They've denied a man his anonymity. Clever them. Anyway, it's stuff that you, you can hear in my videos, you can read in Greg Johnson's articles, uh, you can hear in uh, various people's podcasts, and so on. So there's nothing uh, groundbreaking in it. Um, I would expect that they've probably... Because the guy seemed... I think he was recording basically all the time. So I would expect that what they will have is people making crass, off-colour jokes, uh, you know, racist, and so on. Um, probably that sort of thing, and casually saying certain things that to a normal person, but especially to an Antifa person, would be kind of shocking, would be controversial. Let's not say shocking, because that, I think, is a, an affected response. These things would be controversial to those people's ears. If you're not in these circles, you won't hear that kind of humour very often these days, or those casual remarks. But uh, I would emphasise that things that are outrageous to them, to Hope Not Hate and to Antifa, are generally not outrageous to the general public. The general public, I don't think they really give a shit. I mean, if they hear a controversial opinion, maybe Holocaust denial or something like that, uh, or something about race, racial differences, the general public, if they hear something like that, or an off-colour joke, they don't care. They're not outraged. They don't start spluttering uh, in indignation. But, of course, left-wing activists want them to do so. And left-wing activists will, will affect that response in order to encourage it in other people, which is what organisations like Hope Not Hate specialise in doing. As I've said before, they don't actually comment on what people have said, their targets, their, you know, people like me, alt-writers and nationalists. They don't comment on what we've said. They just cite it with the expectation that the public will know to be outraged by it. But I honestly think that the public aren't outraged by it, uh, which is not to say that I think the general public agree with nationalist ideas or the kind of ideas that you encounter in the alt-right, but I think they're not excited or animated by them. It's not something that they think is caused to shut people down or to no-platform them. I think that the general public in Britain and certainly America, have a general assumption that people should just be allowed to say 
whatever they want and think whatever they want and read about whatever they want. It's really hope not hate. They, they are the only ones who find this stuff r- remarkable or noteworthy. And so they're, I think this is the mistake they make. They overestimate how interesting this stuff is to the public and how interesting their footage will be to the public. But that's their mistake to make, so who cares? Now, apparently, they have me on on tape saying that we shouldn't look like misfits, nationalists and alt-righters. We shouldn't shouldn't project an image of misfits and whatever because that will repel normies. And uh, the background to that statement is that British nationalism being up till now a, f- a fringe thing, and maybe, and it still is a fringe thing to an extent, but it is that is changing rapidly. But anyway, British nationalism being up till now a, f- a fringe thing has attracted people who themselves are fringe people. Um, and if we, obviously we're leaving aside the hardcore combat 18 types, but that's that's a separate thing. We're talking about the, the higher brow London Forum type of uh, British nationalism. These are people who are sometimes eccentric, off the wall, uh, disaffected sometimes, and sometimes they're very normal as well. But I think, well, to explain my statement, yes, a lot of us are eccentric. But <clears throat> in the case of Stead Steadman, and this is the one, you know, okay, I'll get to that in a minute. The point that I was making with my statement was that even if we are, or have been up till now, uh, largely a movement of people who are not mainstream, we should try to appeal to the mainstream. And I think that is a problem that has plagued many, many political movements of all stripes, of all uh, all political colours, uh, forever, really. It's a very, it's not an original observation that I made. I was just commenting that, yeah, we want to appeal to normal people, mainstream people. So, yeah, uh, you, we don't want to look like a bunch of misfits. Um, that language is perhaps stronger than I would put it uh, with, with consideration. But the general notion is sound. Now, Stead Steadman, and it's important to say that Stead Steadman was the entry point for this Patrick Hermanson. Stead Steadman was the entry point for him into Brit- the British nationalism and from there into the American alt-right of both the Greg Johnson variety and the Richard Spencer variety. So, Stead Sedman was the entry point. Now, he is mildly eccentric, uh, being into paganism and Norse mythology and that sort of thing. But this, these are harmless characteristics, absolutely harmless, and they are disgustingly used against him by Hope Not Hate, so as to depict him as a loser, a freak, and a misfit. And I... It's cruel what they did to him. <clears throat> the truth is that Stead Steadman, you know, I met him at the Stockholm conference in February, and then I met him in London in May. And he is one of the kindest people you could ever meet. And um, very reasonable, very even-handed, and uh, just a really nice guy very helpful. And so it disgusts me that Hope Not Hate set up a man like that, a good man, a nice man, a kind man, 
and especially that this young guy, Patrick Hermanson, betrayed him, betrayed this guy every day for eight months. Now, that is not virtuous behaviour. It's, it's sickening and immoral. And then, to get on to another clip that they have of me, and they have shown this one. The previous one, has they've talked about it, but they haven't uploaded it anywhere. The next clip of me, they have uploaded. It's on their YouTube channel, Unlisted, and they shared it on Twitter. And this is me on the tube going from Heathrow into London because Stead Steadman, when I landed in, in London in May, Stead came to meet me at the, at the airport, and he brought this young guy with him, this uh, Patrick. And so it was my first time back in Britain in, since, uh, since January, since the doxing. And I was a bit elated and uh, I was also very tired at the time. And of course, I'd just been on a long flight. So, yeah. And I said, um, oh, yeah. So we were on the tube. And this is the eerie thing. You know, looking back, this little shit, you know, we... I shook his hand, we talked. I think I actually offered to buy him a, uh, something to eat, a cake or something, at the, when I, I was getting something and I offered to buy him something. Um, and, you know, we, we seemed to get on well. Him and me, it was fine. And then, but he was recording me all the time with this uh, secret camera. It's disgusting. Because um, it's not like the people he was with were villains. I mean, we're just not. And I I suspect that will probably come through in the footage. I suspect they'll have to edit the footage quite selectively in order to portray people like Greg Johnson, Stead Steadman, as, as villains. I don't think it'll be easy for them to do that. Anyway, so thereafter, after we, we left Heathrow Airport and we got on the tube, and, and all the time he was filming me even then. And I was talking to Stead Steadman. And I said to Stead, that um, after the Stockholm conference in February, Hope Not Hate had posted an article on their website about the conference, and they had included a photo taken outside the conference of me standing, out, standing outside the building, and I don't know where the photographer was, uh, I hadn't seen anyone, but someone had taken a photo of me. And so Hope Not, I think it was some Swedish Antifa organisation, and they had passed the the photo on to Hope Not Hate. And I saw that. Uh, somebody linked me to it on the, the Hope Not Hate website. And I was disturbed. I was unnerved by that. It was creepy. Uh, the, the word is creepy. And I... Because it's like, my God, I was... I wasn't doing anything. I was just at a conference. And now I, now I know that when I go to a conference, there might well be someone in a building on the other side of the street looking at me through a window or someone passing by in a car and taking photos and that kind of thing uh, is it is unsettling it is disturbing uh, but I used the word scary uh, when I was talking to because I was recounting this to Stead on the on the tube uh, what three months later and I said to him that scared me and of course Hope Not Hate, when they got hold of that footage, when Patrick took it to them, they must have uh, felt really good about themselves, felt pleased with themselves, because they uploaded this clip. Um, and it said something like, it was on Twitter, it said, like, white nationalist millennial woes is 
worried about being photographed. And the point was that they had recorded, they'd filmed me saying that I was worried about a photo, a mere photo. So in fact, I was worried about a photo, but here they were actually filming me and I didn't even know. Now, that is seriously creepy. It's it's almost it's it's kind of macabre <laughs> to be honest. Um, it's doubly creepy that that they would take the they would get that photo and then upload it from Stockholm. But it's it's doubly creepy that they would then gloat about me being creeped out by that, and then that they are secretly recording me, and then that they would gloat about having secretly recorded me saying that. I mean, the whole thing, every stage of it, is creepy. That is the only way to describe this. And it is not normal either. And I think it's not normal behaviour to treat people like that and to gloat about treating them like that. And I think that when, they, when Hope Not Hate do this sort of thing, they're showing themselves to be cowardly because they never operate out in the open. They never address our ideas. They, they never, ever do that. And and also they don't engage. They do everything in an underhanded, sneaky, uh, deceiving sort of way. And so, and this is in spite of the fact that they have massive backing and government funding um, and Soros funding as well. They are still cowards, sneaks and liars in terms of how they, well, entrap people, I suppose. And what's more, you know, I can say this stuff, but it's predictable that I would say this stuff because it, I was the one who was being entrapped. However, a progressive friend of mine from a very long time ago contacted me shortly after this, you know, a few weeks ago after this came out. And he, he said to me, he actually got in touch expressly to tell me that Hope Not Hate's tweet uh, showing me on the tube had disgusted him and that he will no longer support them. And I, you know, that's this one guy who I've barely spoken to in many years. And he was more shocked about what they had done than about the revelation that his old friend uh, was now a white nationalist. So here's the thing, he will not be the only one. And I know that he's not the only one because two years ago, when Hope Not Hate first took an interest in me, they asked me, they asked, they put up an article or a request asking people to sell me out to them, uh, to dox me. And lots of comments under the article admonished them for doing this. You know, supporters of them told them that this was wrong, it was immoral, it was sick. And uh, <laughs> of course, it's interesting to note that nowadays uh, the Homework Hate website doesn't allow comments. I think that is significant. The truth is that when people see behavior like this in an organization, and when they, well, let's put it another way, when they see what kind of organization Hope Not Hate is, sneaky and uh, dishonest with people, um, and when people see the kind of characters that run Hope Not Hate, the kind of people who sanction these kinds of uh, activities, they are disgusted. 
uh, demonstrably. Uh, it's not just my one progressive friend, it's all the people who commented under that blog two years ago as well. And as I say, they will not be the only ones. Now, Patrick's report, Patrick Hermanson's report, was co-written by Hope Not Hate's deputy, I believe he's the deputy chief, Joe Mulhall. And I expect that Mulhall is responsible for the majority of the text in that report because it is merely bland invective. It has no intellectual substance at all. And also, it's far more terse and uh, pointed than one would expect from somebody who had actually spent eight months socialising with the people being written about. Uh, I would think that if, if it had actually been Patrick who wrote those things, he would have been more nuanced, more balanced. But instead, it's only, well, you can read the report yourself, it's extremely negative about people. I mean, and you know, these are good people. It doesn't matter if you disagree with their politics or their worldview. You, if you've spent time with them, you must be able to see that they are not villains. It's, a, it's, it's silly. But my interpretation of this is that Patrick himself is a bit of a male airhead with few thoughts of his own. And I, I say that because of the way he struck me at the time and also because of the radio interviews that he's done uh, since this report came out. He's very monosyllabic. And he sticks very uh, strictly to certain talking points that I think have been laid down for him by Hope Not Hate, i.e. they are not reflective of his own thoughts and feelings uh, during this, this eight-month investigation that he undertook. It's all very simplistic and cartoonish. Um, one thing that does interest me is the Hope Not Hate had a successful infiltrator in the alt-right and in uh, the, the more traditional British nationalist scene. And it interests me that they chose to take him out, that they chose to um, well, take him out, uh, they chose to extract him from the scene and publish their report. Because the fact is they could have kept him in there indefinitely, um, operating secretly and feeding information back to them. And indeed, the longer he had stayed, the less under suspicion he would have been. By the way, it's worth saying that several people did have suspicions about him. It's just that, well, they didn't act on them, uh, which is a lesson learned. Anyway, so they decided to play their hand now. And uh, that interests me. I suspect it's because, well, it's possibly because they, they think that a year from now, nobody's going to care about this stuff. I think maybe this is a possibility that Hope Not Hate realise that the situation is heating up and in the near future the landscape is going to change and a report like this, no one, no one will care about it. Another possibility is that they extracted him because he was becoming converted to our ideas. And that's a possibility after eight months. I mean, it, it it honestly surprises me. I don't think it did happen. I don't think this did happen. But I think, again, this is to do with the type of person that he is. Um, and that is to say that he is utterly ordinary. He does not have uh, a rebellious streak in him at all. 
Uh, he's largely oblivious to the depth of the things that are going on around him. This is, uh, you know, in retrospect, I look back on what I had witnessed of him, and this is basically how he struck me. He was surrounded for eight months by good people, kind people, honest people, and yet he apparently saw only evil um, because he had been told to see only evil. Or if not if not that, then he is perfectly prepared to go along with that summary of his experiences, which would indicate that he himself is unable to summarize his own experiences. So he needs to he needs someone else to do it for him. And of course, Joe Mulhall is only too happy. Now, it interests me that this is the type of person that Hope Not Hate selected uh, to do this job, this mission. It's a bland person, somebody with very few thoughts of his own, who tempts people to talk to him uh, simply by being passive uh, because he doesn't give anything back. I mean, I remember trying to start conversations with him and he would just agree, smile, and th there was nothing coming. You know, he's a non-entity, basically. And I think... I think that what's happened here is they've got a guy who is extremely, as I say, very mainstream with little ability to size things up for himself. And so he gets by by being very passive, by being harmless. And people just trust him. You know, it's a winning strategy. I understand. It's, uh, uh, yeah, it will be successful. And it also means that he is... As I say, he doesn't have a rebellious bone in his body, as far as I can tell. So he is entirely uh, reliant upon the mainstream narrative that he has grown up with. He doesn't have the guts or the intellectual curiosity to be any kind of rebel. So I think that is how he could spend eight months with Stead Steadman, uh, someone like me, Greg Johnson, and so on, and just constantly think to himself, bad, bad people, bad people, bad people, uh, like he's in a dream. Yeah, I mean, meantime, his, his camera was recording everything, but I think he was just basically repeating a mantra to himself, mindlessly. That's the impression I have of him. Now, as it, and to be honest, at the time, I didn't think, any, I, I, wasn't, I was not personally suspicious of him. Other people were, I wasn't. I just thought there wasn't much to him. He didn't, he didn't make much of an impression at all. In fact, when I first heard about this report, I struggled to remember the guy. And then I, I, I did eventually. I thought, oh yeah, yeah, he was the one who was at the airport. And I remember walking to one of the events, I think it was the Jonathan Biden dinner, with him. And then I was asking, while we were walking, I was asking him about his university. And because that was his cover story that he was, doing some kind of thesis, I think, on uh, doxing and stuff, and the victims of doxing. And uh, so I was asking him about his university and how leftist was it and so on. And not th there was just nothing forthcoming from him at all. And in retrospect, that should definitely have rung alarm bells. Because, first of all, if his story is real, then he'll be able to talk about it. And second... He should be politically engaged enough to talk about the leftism at his university if he is politically engaged enough to 
be a nationalist. Yeah, that's just uh, common sense, really. So, yeah, but I didn't think anything of it because he was, he had been, he was, Stead Steadman thought that he was fine. Uh, so therefore he must be fine. It was just an assumption. And I think that assumption was shared by many people. Because the alternative, of course, is just to be paranoid about everyone you meet at a, a conference or whatever. And nobody wants that. So anyway, this, that, yeah, in future, clearly, I will be much more careful about who I talk to and what I say to them. Because, yeah, I was taken in by this guy. I thought he was fine. I, it didn't really occur to me um, that there was anything amiss about him. And uh, anyway, now obviously I'm describing him in personal terms here. And I think some of the things I've said about him are rather negative and cruel. Well, not cruel, but negative. And uh, I'm saying I'm doing that because I am personally disgusted by his behavior and because he personally lied to me and betrayed me, betrayed my trust. So I don't feel bad about personally describing him and being honest about that. Uh, so I, I'm, but, and the reason I, I say all this is that the same cannot be said for hope not hate's relationship with me or with the other people uh, that they investigate and report on and demonize. For them, there is no personal connection. There is no personal vendetta uh, or whatever against these people. And yet, their reporting on these people is always personal. They always go for the character assassination, um, belittlement, humiliation, and ostracization. Or that's the, the, the end goal of it, is to make the person seem like, an, like a non-person, like a misfit, a loser, somebody that no one should take seriously. It's never their attacks on us, on well, their attacks on their targets are never substantial, intellectual, political, or moral. It's always personal. And again, the reason I bring that up is, is to illustrate that these people are not intellectuals. They're, well, I would say they operate in quite a feminine way of uh, you know, sort of public shaming. And uh, God, it, it's just, it's disgusting. Because these are grown men. And yet their tactic is time and time again, go for the personal thing. And, and they end up, you know, the end result of that is that they demonize people who are good people, but just happen to have political ideas that hope not hate disapprove of. And so by holding those ideas, a good man like Stead Steadman disqualifies himself from deserving any courtesy at all. Uh, as far as hope not hate are concerned. Now, having said all that, um, yeah, I think that what I want to emphasize is that Hope Not Hate are not an intellectual organization. And I think that, I mean, I've, I, two years ago, I said to Nick Lowell's in that video, um, come on my channel and we'll have a debate. We'll have a discussion. But of course, uh, he never got back to me. 
and they'll never get back to me on this either. Um, the only time that Nick Lowell's did directly address me was was on Twitter, and it was after he had successfully, or hope not hate, had successfully persuaded Patreon to shut down Lauren Southern's account. And what? And it was just like I don't know, three days after that, something like that, and he quoted something that I had said in a tweet and twisted it to suggest that I was advocating violence. And I knew, I, I immediately thought, okay, you little shit, you're doing this because you're high on the the triumph of getting Lauren, Lauren Southern's Patreon shut down, and now you're going to try and use this, use this as evidence to get my Patreon shut down. And anyway, I said something to him, I can't remember, and he replied, uh, something to the effect, are you, are you scared that your funding will be next? <laughs> what a little cunt. And that is the only time that Nick Lowell's has directly addressed me. And again, it wasn't an intellectual argument. It was nothing. It was just immediate and it, zooming in on one thing that he could misrepresent in order to demonize me. So, not a very nice man. Anyway, moving on. I believe that comments are no longer possible on Hope Not Hate's website on the articles. Uh, they never had many art uh, comments underneath their articles. Some on their Facebook posts, but very few un under the articles on their actual website. What And also, uh, th but they've now decided to just disable all comments, as far as I can see. Also, comments are disabled on all of their YouTube videos which have far more downvotes than upvotes, by the way. Also, their YouTube channel has only 545 subscribers, which is remarkable. For an organisation as prominent and well-funded as Hope Not Hate, it's amazing that they only have 545 subscribers on YouTube. To give you some perspective on this, <coughs> my Vidme channel has... One uh, has nearly 1,900 subscribers, 1,900. My BitChute channel has just over 1,000. And my Minds channel, Minds.com, has 850. And yet you, their Home Right Hates YouTube channel has only 545. That's fewer than I have on Minds. Uh, I find that very interesting. Um, because also another observation is that their tweets get very little feedback, again, for an organisation of their prominence. And the other thing is, the other surprising thing is that their Twitter account has 62,000 followers. And yet there's so little activity. It's remarkable. So I suspect that a very large percentage of these 62,000 followers are just ghost accounts that have been, I've heard, you can do this. You can basically buy Twitter followers in order to make yourself look like a more successful tweet, uh, Twitterer or a more successful organization than you actually are. Because the fact is, everything they do gets a much smaller public response than you would expect from an organization like this. Uh, and, and also, as I say, their videos are very unpopular. M far more downvotes than upvotes, usually. And there's a reason why they've disabled comments. It's because the comments were just tearing them to shreds. 
So this is not a popular organization. It's an organization that is well-funded. Now, in spite of that, in spite of the fact that they are still well-funded, Hope Not Hate seem to be falling out of favour in Britain because of some recent fuck-ups on their part. They recently did a conference on how the Labour Party can reach working-class voters, or working-class people, and convert them into Labour voters. And it looked like a very small crowd had turned up for this conference, uh, far smaller than the crowd that turned up for the London Forum conference, for example. And again, that interests me, because you've got to bear in mind Hope Not Hate's resources and 62,000 Twitter followers, and yet it looked like about 25 people had shown up for that conference. So I suspect that they are finding it difficult to maintain traction in Britain because their shtick is becoming very old hat. It's becoming very tired and boring and uninteresting to people who are increasingly aware, the public at large, that things are changing. And something like Home Not Hate is very much an artefact of the past. This is why they cannot engage intellectually with the ideas of the alt-right, because they're still, as I said two years ago, behaving as if it's still the 90s. They don't want to engage, and they're not intellectually equipped to engage. So therefore, of course, all they've got is the personal attacks. That's all they can do. So, but here's the thing. I think that they are finding it difficult to maintain traction in Britain. And I think that is why they are trying to expand into America. And I think that is why this alt-right investigation uh, was done in the first place and why it was cut short. Because that guy, as I said, Patrick Hermanson, could have been in, in there for ages, for months. But I think Hope Not Hate are eager to open their, their America branch. And so really, I think that's what this is all about. So in summary, um, this has been a useful reminder for people. Uh, be careful what you say at conferences. Do not talk about personal stuff. Um, you've got to get to know a person first over quite some time before you do that kind of thing. Uh, be careful what you say in general. Um, but I would, I would caution against an outbreak of paranoia because this was one guy and I, I guarantee that people have been woken up by this and everything will be tighter in future. Um, I mean, it's a, it's a learning thing. It's a learning experience. And I think the, the main lesson is that we've been too nice. The fact is that Patrick Hermanson, whilst he writes about how villainous uh, the people he met are, he was never in any danger. He was never going to get beaten up or something like that. Whereas I can guarantee if you went to a lot of, if you were to infiltrate a lot of Antifa organizations, you absolutely would be in physical danger. Or if he had chosen to infiltrate some, I don't know, like Combat 18 or something, then he would absolutely have been in danger, in physical danger. But no, he chose to infiltrate the alt-right, and the higher-brow nationalism of the London Forum. And he was never, ever in any danger, uh, physically or, or whatever, otherwise. But that's part of it. We have been too nice. We've been too trusting with, uh, with people entering, with people arriving. And I think we have to get 
we have to develop ways of vetting people. And uh, yeah, because something like this must never be allowed to happen again. It was bad, it was embarrassing, and it was unsettling, disturbing. But it must not it must not be the trigger for lots of petty recriminations back and forth. I saw some of that starting, you know, back when this broke. Uh people blaming this person and that person, especially the American side of things. And really that's just not going to help anyone. It just gives Hope Not Hate exactly the satisfaction that they want. So don't do it. Uh, think ahead and uh, realize that this was a an unfortunate and avoidable mistake, but also an innocent one. And the damage is limited and it's over now. They've got their footage. We'll see what they've got when they release this documentary, if they are able to get someone to buy it. Um, but really, we have to move on, regardless of what's in that documentary. We have to keep moving on. And again, maybe I shouldn't, that's another reason why maybe I shouldn't make this video, because it is, you know, the dust is settling now. But yeah, I think it is right to address the, what happened. Um, and then one final thing, why are they doing this? Yeah, we can talk about the, as I, as I did, the reasons why I think they did this particular investigation into the alt-right and why they cut it short when they did and all that. But ultimately, why are they doing all of this activity. It's because they are scared of us. They're scared that we are making progress. They're scared that we are reaching people who have never been reached by nationalism before. And they're correct, we are. Uh, by the thousand now. That is what this is all about. That is what they're scared of. That is what they're trying to stop. And of course, that is why we must not react to this infiltration by stopping. So, I think I've said everything that needs to be said. I expect they'll uh, comment on this. There'll be a few bitchy tweets from Joe Mulhall and Nick Lowell's. But uh, who cares? That's all they've got. So all they can do is bitch and uh, point and sneer and try to encourage other people to to think badly of us. But really, the public at large are growing weary of their attitude, their worldview, and they are unconvinced by their by the ideas that these people stand for. And they're certainly disgusted by the methods that these people use. You know, I mean, Hope Not Hate can only I mean, they have to try and sell this documentary now. But even as they do so, they will only show themselves to be shitty people who betrayed kind, trusting, good people. Hope not hate. It is an ironic name for sure. Thank you for watching.